Darling, we've had one hell of a time But the question on everybody's mind Where is the Hello, ladies and gentlemen, out there, wherever you may be. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't do this. Ethan looks at me like I, he knows I'm going to screw it up, and then that makes me screw it up. But we're going to keep that in. Uh, I watched welcome. him try to spin a plate on his finger. Yeah, no, it was really terrible. It was, it was like, it was wobbly, and then you're making a face, and it's all. It's all. Yeah. Uh, this is Ideas Don't Bleed. You can probably recognize it from the sloppy introduction. That's sort of our... <laughs> Calling card. Calling card at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a comics podcast hosted by me, Matthew Rosenberg, Ethan Parker, and Griffin Sheridan, who are hello here. And uh, mm-hmm. we bring in people from the world of comics, and we talk to them about comics, and there's not really much more thought behind it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm very excited about today's guest. Um, it's uh, he's, a, he's a writer who I've wanted to talk to since we started the show. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. And um, I think probably all of you are too, because uh, his books are awesome. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Pornsack Pizzachot is here. Pornsack, hey, thank you so Yay! much for coming out. I am so happy to be here. I, I, I feel like saying I'm so happy to be here is such a cliche, these things, but I honestly am. Like, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of your work. I, you've also been very, very kind to me. So, like, and I really, really appreciate it. And also, you're one of the few people that, um, I feel like we struck up a friendship over Twitter and I'm not used to doing that. Like I'm not used sure. to talking to people really on Twitter. Yeah, and yeah. so like I reach out to you and you actually have not just like a one reply thing. You have like a reply that leads to a conversation. I'm like, oh, this is it. Like I'm that person where someone says like, you should reach out to someone on IM. Like, oh, you mean people talk to people they don't know on Instagram? That's the thing. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, no, we need to walk you through the internet. Yeah, it, it's it's funny because I when we started the show, Ethan and Griffin were like, you know, who are we going to get on? And they had like people they wanted. And I was like, look, I'm not really good at just like randomly talking to people. I sort of need it to just be people I'm friends with for a while. So I'm comfortable. And uh, and then we, we hit this point where I was like, OK, you know, we're going through friends and, and people. But I want I want other people who I'm also excited to talk to because I don't talk to them that much. And I was like, oh, Pornsec is like the perfect crossroads because we're internet friends, but like <laughs> the actual like, you know, sitting down and having a meal and talking about our work isn't something we, we've we done. And so yeah. this seemed like, this this is one I've been really looking forward to for that reason. Yes, we will oh. now do it in public for everyone to judge. Yeah. Now we interact. <laughs> yeah, now that now it gets all awkward and weird. And, oh, no. And what if you guys get to the end of this and you're like, oh, we don't actually like each other. <laughs> yeah. 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 It should have stayed on Twitter. It definitely <laughs> <laughs> not built for this. Um, you know, we, we when we do the show, I... Uh, it's sort of always a learning process for me, except that I don't feel like I'm actually taking in the information. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of questions that that I was always asked in interviews that I I don't. I was always like, that's such a lazy question. And now that I do a podcast, I'm like, oh, I, I see the value of that question. I, I see why it works. Um, so, like, let's just start. Why comics? Like, why do you make comics? Where does that come from in your life? I mean, I just... I mean, there's a ton I, I, of answers to that, I guess. Uh, one is I just love the people. I think, you know, uh, when you get 
people like you know we were just joking about this earlier about like the struggles of making comics and the pain of, ma of making comics but people do it because they love it and it's probably shouldn't be a shock that when you get people who are doing things they love you tend to get a bunch of lovely people and so like there, I, and i think so many of the people i meet in comics are just absolutely lovely there are so many kind i've met so many kind people to the point of uh, I, I need to stop myself and go like, and stop myself from saying, you realize that's bad business, right? Yeah. Like there, there, there comes a point where generosity is just getting in your way. Yeah. And uh, and I feel like I meet a lot of those in comics, which is not to criticize any anybody's business senses, but just the fact that like, everyone is just so extraordinarily kind. And it 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 is sort of inspiring because the, the other half of my life is in Hollywood where <laughs> that is not the case. Yeah. And, and so so it's great to work with people who just want to create and are just giving and are supportive and all that kind of stuff. And and but also too, like, I don't know, I just love I also feel like comics has almost become the last place where people truly experiment and are rewarded for mm -hmm. it you know again my in my other life i don't really work on movies but like but on television everything has become just like oh ip this ip that you got to sort of set a thing and i love what we do in comics where we just like create a thing you know we we come up with a new idea and and it's a challenge it's a different type of challenge it's like how do you make people care about a new idea and it feels like we're the last people i mean yes they're doing it in novels but novels are having their own sort of struggle and problem and sort of in, you know in yeah. cap capturing sort of the popular sort of you know conversation and all that and comics for what <laughs> i feel like the constant comics discourse is is like how long are we here are we still here like we've been having this <laughs> on the verge of extinction since like 1940s yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> mm -hmm. but um but uh since the start of the medium but uh, but I, I yeah, those are all the reasons why I love the people, the medium itself, the stories you can tell. The fact is, it's its very own unique grammar, like really, really jazzes me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love I love all that stuff. Yeah, I, it's funny you talk about sort of the the what comics offers that's unique, and and to me, I always I always describe it as like there's an urgency to comics that you don't yeah. get in other places. That like there's something emotionally for me it's funny because i feel like there's an emotional component to that and an artistic component to that and yeah. i feel like not enough books explore the artistic component mm. but like the emotional component to me is like i come up with something and i can have someone drawing it pretty soon and people can yeah. be reading it and interacting with it like much faster than almost any other medium like obviously in the digital age like you can put pros out there fast and uh now with like music streaming you can put music out there very quick but there is something to how fast the storytelling can be and for me emotionally like that's so important i know a lot of screenwriters and and stuff who are like yeah you know you work on something for two years and you don't know if it's yeah. coming and like when it comes you're emotionally totally divested from it you're you're yeah. totally in something else and that is such a wild thing for me to think about um and and yeah, I, the other side of that that I was talking about was sort of the the artistic side where I feel like there's a real chance for comics to talk about things as they're happening in a real way. Yeah. And I feel like they don't enough. Mm. I feel like, a, you know, you don't read a lot of comics that feel very ur like like they have that urgent conversation that's going on at the moment. And I wish we saw more of that. And it's something I'm always trying to sort of figure out. But it is uh, a challenge, right? Like, I think a lot about how like. Steve Englehart writing Captain America like while Watergate was happening and yeah. like you know literally like right up to the press is changing things basing off based off of the based okay. off the off the news that were the news that was coming out and it feels like part of comics becoming more professional is like those lead times between 
you know, things going to press, like everything just sort of sort of gets elongates a little bit. And so it is an interesting thing where, you know, with lettering drafts and, and while still trying to be humane to your letterer, where just kind of like, how do you time everything just right? So it can be sort of part of the conversation that's happening now, even though like, you know, the files need to get out at this, you know, a month yeah. in advance and this, and you write the script like three or four months in advance yeah. so someone can draw it and all that kind of stuff. I, so it is part of the fun, I think. I Yeah, it, it is. And I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like in the last couple years, like uh, one of the things that had me thinking a lot about it was sort of was COVID stuff that it's like, yeah. I've watched a lot of COVID movies, like a lot yeah. of like, you know, like a lot like Station Eleven and, and right. The Last of Us, like they, you know, those books predate the books and games predated, but like there's clearly a, a sort of COVID element to them. Yeah. And then I'm like, we don't really have a COVID, like no one's doing that in comics. It is interesting. And, and it's just like, it's cheaper and faster. We should have beaten them to the punch. Right, 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 um, right. But yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's something I think about and it's, it's yeah, I don't know. I, I, that was sort of a tangent, but I, I, do, <laughs> I do love the opportunity that comics provides. And, and um, with that, I think there's a lot more we could be doing and should be doing, which is sort of actually one of the things that I love about your work is that um, you always come into things from a very topical place. Like you come in and there's, there's something to be said, you know, like, more than just your high concept you're talking mm -hmm. about about you know racism you're talking about uh people's place in the world and 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 people you know coming together and all, all these sort of themes in your in your books and i i'm i'm just sort of curious as a writer who's like sort of getting known for that of like telling stories about um these sort of bigger broader cultural themes like is that has that always been a goal for you as a writer? Were you always like, I, I don't want to just do genre. I want to take the genre and, and make it something else. Like with Infidel, it's horror. With Good Asian, it's 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 pulp, you know, yeah. noir stuff. Like, I think I think so, but I think it, it's funny. I guess to me, I I don't know if it was as formal idea in my mind as sort of you put it as as much as it is, is just like me being sort of a product of my influences. Like, you know, like to me, that's what Alan Moore was always doing. That was sure. like, you know, like I came through as, a, as an editor of Vertigo and everyone I admired was just kind of doing that sort of stuff. And so to me, it was just like, that was kind of like, I don't know, it, that imprinted on my DNA is sort of being the gold bar of just being like, you can kind of use genre sort of to talk about other things, be, uh, you know, b besides, you know, just trying to have you sort of escape the moment that you're in to sort mm -hmm. of like be something that someone maybe can carry along with them, you know, past the time that they close the book or turn off the screen or whatever that case may be. So that kind of has always sort of impressed itself in my sort of DNA and storytelling. But I th also think too, that like part of that is one of the things that I guess gets me going is this idea of there are conversations we aren't having. And so I want my work to sort of, you know, be part of, like to, whether it's start or continue or be part of conversations that I, I don't think we have. And it's to the point now where I'm not sure I know how to create outside of that. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, like, I guess cognitively, this, in terms of, I understand there's idea that someone has a good idea, they think a lot of people will like it and they feel compelled to sort of share. Like, I get that I'm assuming is how other people make books or how some books can be made. But yeah. like, I, I literally don't, on really understand that as a concept even like to me so much a big part of it is okay well 
you know, it t- these books take a lot of my time. Like if I don't want to have a conversation, mm-hmm. then like, what is it just about me proving I'm right or me proving my ideas? Like I literally like, and that's not yeah. disparaging. Anyway, I just like, just don't under, it's such, it's so foreign to my process. I don't really understand how you put a book together unless you have something you very much want to say, or you, sure. you want to engage sort of the, the, the audience in, in a conversation. But I also think, and this is again, what I love about comics, I think all the comic book creators that I enjoy do that. Like, you know, you're definitely yeah. one of them, like Kieran, like all, everyone that I know who like, I, whose work I love, Scott and James, they all have ideas that, yeah. you know, and they're trying to sort of figure it out in the work or trying to like explore it. And so it's always more than just sort of the pure sort of, sort of genre, genre yeah. mechanism. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's such an interesting, you, you, you make an interesting point because, you know, you, having the conversation is it like yes that's the goal like i think for for a lot of the stuff that draws me in and and it's sort of what i want out of my work is for ha- to have have people questioning things and and challenging things and and in some ways like for me it's about trying to explore things that i don't really get you know yeah. it's it's trying to it's trying to have put put ideas out there that i'm not you know uh, I, I don't fully understand or I, I, I'm not fully solved on, I'm not fully settled mm-hmm. on. And I think there's an interesting thing because I read other writers where it's the, it feels like the opposite. It mm. feels like they have a point that they're trying to make and they're, they're putting it out there and that's fine. And like, obviously there's some of that in everyone's work and it goes yeah. the other way too. But I think, you know, the thing about, the conversation and and obviously like you have a perspective and a point and there's a broader mm-hmm. conversation to have you're not just going into things blind but i think that there's this there's this idea that's sort of crept into sort of i feel like late 20th early 21st century um pop culture and culture that like everything we put in our work is who we are and it's mm-hmm. what we believe and mm-hmm. and that's where we stand on things and it's and I feel like that's such a disservice to people who are using their work to explore ideas <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and to find things out. And it's it's fascinating because I read, especially like, you know, in The Good Asian, it feels like you're really, and maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like you, you, you're struggling with things. You're tripping over yeah. things and, and really battling characters you know battling these ideas and these you know how how do you how how you're seeing how a character's seen in the world and how he portrays himself and what that means and and when it's good and and like it doesn't feel like it tells you like this is the right way to do things right it's it's a study in that and and navigating you know really difficult times and that's sort of i think why the book really resonated with so many people Mm. is because you can feel like you're really in there. You can mm. feel your your voice in there questioning things. Mm. And I don't know, I, that that wasn't really so much a question as just like kind of me no, saying- No, but you you bring up a really good point that I never really thought of, or at least you, you, you make me spark some connections I never really thought about though, about this sort of like late 20th, early sort of 21st sort of century sort of like, with, like the, the 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 role of the author, the the perception of the author, and all that kind of stuff. And I think part of, and this is me pulling stuff out of my ass. So like, as soon as I say this, you all can be like, you know, this. <laughs> th- 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 here are eighteen examples of why this isn't the case. But I think somewhere along the way, a lot of that came in with this concept of the author as celebrity, the author as rock star, the mm-hmm. author, and so as a result, confidence and like 
a point became a brand. It was easier to brand yourself if you could brand yourself around an idea. <laughs> and it may be harder to brand yourself if you were sort of questioning. Like one of the things, I, so I start off as an editor and I put off writing for such a long time. And part of the reason why I put off editing was because to me, writers, in my mind, to be a writer, you needed to be curious, you needed to be empathetic, and you needed to be entrepreneurial. And and now since becoming a writer, I'm shocked to find writers who have none of those three, three, sure, three yeah. things, you know? And and they're just like, they're not curious at all. They're very confident. And like, it's yeah. just like, this is how the world is. And I think the world needs to know what the world is. And I'm like, kind of shocked that like, you can survive as a writer with like, without <laughs> listening, basically. And there's so many yeah. writers who are just really bad listeners. And yeah. I think part of that, though, comes from this whole like, writer as rock star kind of thing, or this perception. And I do think it's changed the kind of quality of the work that we get, where yeah. it's seen as, you know, it, it's a big deal now when a writer be, is vulnerable, when that used to be just the job, yeah. you know? And like being, questioning stuff, like, you know, and I, I have this whole thing about, you know, I have this whole thing where I get, uh, I, I one of my pet peeves is when sometimes people uh and, and this is might be because i get labeled with this a lot like you think too much you're you're too you're, you know you think too much you get it's in your own head it's like and i get it everything you know everything in moderation but somewhere along those lines it was just like sort of saying like wait wait when did we decide being thoughtful was a problem like yeah. when did we decide that was you know no i'd rather be thoughtless than thoughtful like that like when did we make that choice in the fork of the road and i think it ties into a lot of stuff you're talking about yeah, I th I think there's definitely a sort of push, you know, your idea about the 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 belief that like the identity of the author is now sort of superseding the book that you you yeah. have these people who are bigger, and I see that in a lot of pop culture where people are just like, you know, they know about the actor more than yeah. they know about the role, and I'm like, it's such a it's such a weird thing, and you know. It's strange for me here to talk about it because, like, I have a podcast. I kind of wish I didn't have a podcast. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm like, you know, in an ideal well, but, world, but, I would just write and I wouldn't yeah. have a public face at all. But, but, but that's kind of the challenge, right? It's the art and the commerce of it all. And that's yeah. what, like, having a brand helps you sell books. For sure. So at, at, a, at, a, at a certain point, like, when does that brand get in the, get in the way of the art of it? When does commerce you know, kind of starts, starts to, starts to cut away and starts to, you know, weaken sort of the art. And I think that's one of the things we're always kind of balancing is just like, you know, I, I talk, I think a lot about how there are certain decisions I make that are very sort of art driven. Mm -hmm. Like I've made the decision. It, it, I wish it was more conscious than it is, but like my books tend to be very different genre wise from sort from sort of the last one. I yeah. know that makes it hard to brand. It makes it hard for me to sell as a body of work. So sure. because of that, I do every little thing I can to like help sell the, like I will go anywhere. I will talk to any, like, you know, and part of it is part of that balance between art and commerce yeah. because you're making these art, you know, artistic choices. And I've just seen so many people just make hard artistic choices, but make no commercial concession. Yeah. And you're just like, you gotta, you know, you gotta give something somewhere. Yeah. We're commercial artists. It's not, yeah. yeah. You know, like I, I have so much love for the people who just make something and feel okay putting it in a drawer. Yeah. Like that's beautiful. Yeah. But I, I want to, be able to pay my rent right now um, exactly so yeah i, I want to go back though you talked about being an editor and, and making mm -hmm. that move i'm always you're the first um editor turned writer we've talked to mm -hmm. but we've talked to a bunch of illustrators who now write mm -hmm. um 
and and to me it's it's interesting because i don't know why this is a this is a <laughs> preconceived notion i have in my head but i always and and it says a lot about me uh that is not good i always assume <laughs> that that <laughs> illustrators who turned writer sort of brought a lot of the things they love from drawing mm -hmm. into their mm -hmm. writing mm -hmm. and for some reason when i started thinking of questions for you my thought was, well, you're a former editor. I bet you brought a lot of the things you you hate, like you you learned what you hate from editing. Oh, that's interesting. And I don't know why. Obviously, <laughs> you, you're trying to make books you love the same as anyone else. But I, I, I'm just wondering, like, what you feel the time as an editor did to your work, like how you feel your writing has been influenced by that. It, it's hard for me to like, cause I get asked that a lot. It's hard for me to extract the, the editing is such a portion of my DNA. It's really, really hard for me to extract like, what is the editor and what is, what is the writer? Because to me, like, like I believe that I, you know, I think this, I believe this. I very, very much believe that I am a mediocre writer held up by a really good editor. And that is kind of how like, you know, so like I bought, you know, I, I have my all initial writer instinct and my good editor size, just like, okay, you gotta throw away all that sort of stuff <laughs> and, 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 and all that. So so much of writing to me is uh, is kind of editing sort of in a way. I think honestly though, the only piece of it that I could pos possibly extract is that the editor part of me, once that the writing piece of me, once it once my writing goes through the process of my own inner editor and it all comes what it is, the, 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 there's an editing side that comes to me that I feel like it knows, it has experience in framing books for success. So, mm -hmm. so I, so I do think the editor side of me knows how to take, you know, what might be a B product and frame it and to be sort of an A product or C product and frame it to B product. Yeah. Whether that's surrounding myself with good artists, whether it's knowing how to how to market it, whether or know how to sort of boil it down into something that cuts through the noise, and and I always find out that. It's hard to say the you know what what and what is not sort of creatively successful, but sort of certainly the the stuff where I I you know been like oh could this have done better commercially? It's always when I sort of forget about the the very stirred editorial voice in my head being kind of like you know do you know I mean I, I think a lot of times you know really good work um, really good work suffers commercially just because the creative team didn't sit and ask like. Well, who's the audience for it? Like, yeah. who's your primary audience for this work? And sometimes they just put it out. It's like, I just want to do this. I'm like, that's great. And again, and it, to me, that's just like make art to make art. But if you sure. also want to put food on the table, then ask yourself, well, who's the audience for this? And then yeah. are you are you directing it to that audience? Are you making it so that audience can pick it up? And if not, then it's fine to create art for art's sake, but also don't be shocked and specifically don't be bitter if you're not commercially rewarded for making art for art's sake. Yeah. I, th you know, I think that's, it's a funny thing because for me, um, when we started making, uh, you know, I made, I made a book called Fork is Walking to a Bank with Tyler yep. Boss and I love. that, thank you. Um, the, the, uh, that felt like very broad. I was like, it's a comedy, it's a dark comedy, but like, you know, it's about kids, but I feel like older people will read it. Kids probably shouldn't read it, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, which is always fun when you deal with Hollywood where they're like, it's stars kids. <laughs> kids can't see it and they're like oh right. okay thank you for your time um but the uh but with with what's the first place from here it started as a very broad idea and and me and tyler really like sort of chiseled at it until it felt kind of very narrow and personal mm. in a way and i i had to have this conversation with him where i was like we're doing a lot of things to nod towards to to make this more personal and more intimate mm. 
and we're going to lose people at every oh, at every chisel. But I was like, I think the trade-off is the people who it speaks to, it'll speak louder to. They'll care yeah. more about it. And and we were trying to do it as an ongoing. We are doing it as an ongoing book. Um, and I was like, what we need is, you know, we don't need 30,000 people who pick it up and sort of forget what's right. happening every issue. We need 10,000 people who really fucking care about it because that's yeah. what the length of a book is, is 10,000 passionate people, yeah. not you know, 40,000 people who are like, I like the cover. And, you know, yeah, obviously, if we, had, looking at it. if we had 40,000 people buying it every month, we'd feel awesome. But <laughs> yeah. uh, every time it, it's created this interesting thing, because sometimes people come up to me and are like, I really like your work. I recognize that the book is good. It's not for me. And they say that in a way of like, that they're trying to understand that. It, <laughs> I find it very rewarding. And like Tyler thinks I'm crazy for saying that, but I was like, I kind of like it when people are like, I like everything you guys do. I don't kind of get this one. And I'm like, we made it narrow. It's not yeah, for yeah. everyone. Hmm. And I, I feel like, and maybe this is me projecting. I feel like I see that in some of your work too, that you're doing like, heavy genre stuff you're doing mm -hmm. horror like legitimate scary horror yeah. stuff in comics you're doing pulp crime stuff and it feels like you're finding this very narrow sweet spot where people can be really passionate and it's not you're not swinging for the broadest possible audience you're swinging for hitting it out of the park for a specific audience do you feel like that's you know is that something you've thought about is that is that a conscious decision it it, it, it is and it isn't in a sense of it, it's funny because i feel like in a weird way you know in a weird way it's exactly what you're talking about and and, and the opposite of what you're talking about right. in, in in the sense of in a weird way i am trying to get the broadest possible audience but it's for material that i know is limited uh -huh. right so like i know Right, I want to do. I want to talk about Asian American history in the in the Good Asian, and, and I've made this joke before. No one has ever said to anyone, "We need to sell more books, so let's put more Asian American history in, in, into in, into this." So yeah. I know right off the bat, this is stuff that nobody wants to talk about and nobody yeah. wants to sort of see. So then my thing is, but but this is what I want to talk about. So then my mm. so I know that going in. So then I sort of say, all right. How do I get the biggest possible audience for something that nobody wants to talk about? Yeah, and and so so there so there is a little bit of like, and I know there's going to be people I leave at the table because they're never going to care about stuff like this. Sure, but so but to me it is more just about like, well, what do I want to? What do I really want to talk about? Like for Infidel, it was like there was a conversation about racism that when I was writing it didn't feel like we were having at the time. Mm -hmm. We were have we were not having it because people didn't want to have it. So I knew. Yeah any gestures to that to a certain portion of the population they're not going to care and they're going to they're going to stay away from it but for the people who are open to it all right well how do i get the biggest possible sort of group of people to sort of that and and for me that was a horror thing so it's just kind of like all right I, then you make sort of the, the those commercial calculations but um but for me like i do actually want the greatest possible audience to get it but at the same time it is very much about like Generally, what I write about are, converse, are, are conversations that people aren't having. And a lot of times, yeah. those, people aren't having those conversations because they don't want to have those. They specifically don't want to have those conversations. And do you, so, so that's a little bit of the, the give and take. Do you feel like, I mean, I guess you don't have a lot to compare it to, but do you feel like your audience, I mean, I feel like from an outside perspective, your audience really appreciates that you're having a conversation with them that they're not used to having, that the people you do find you. are more passionate about it because you're giving them something they don't get someplace else. Like, do you feel like that? Have you, do, does that, I, do, that, I yeah. do, I do, I do. I, I go through this thing of, 
like as much as I say I'm trying to get to the biggest possible, I am constantly constantly shocked that I have an audience. I'm constantly shocked sure. that it, especially like you know and and it, a lot of it and this is where like my books have been like good for me as my just sort of like development as a person. Like I like. I'm constantly shocked that anyone not Asian has read The Good Asian, much like likes The Good Asian. Like, you know, I'm constantly shocked by that mm -hmm. because, like, I'm just so naturally cynical of just kind of like, you, you know, and like people are just tribal and all that kind of stuff. And so my books are constantly reminding me how wrong I am by like my initial mm -hmm. sort of like, you know, cynical, like, you know, suspicions of people and, and, and all that and, and, and all that. So, um, so sorry, I you had a question there, and I completely lost it. I, I just, I just, you know, do you feel like your the audience you have yes. is more passionate about your work because I, you're I doing? I think so. Things? I think so. I mean, I do know I have some very passionate people who are very passionate about my work, and I'm very, yeah. very, very grateful for it. And I've had people, and it, it always touches me when I hear this. It, I've had people who've sort of said, "I never." thought I'd see something like this. So thank uh -huh. you for doing this. And and it's funny because intellectually, the reason why I did it was because I hadn't sort of seen anything like that. But there was something about having someone else admit to me that they kind of like given up hope for like yeah. that to even be a possibility to suddenly realize it a possibility. That I, I, I'm always surprised by how much that means to me and how sort of how much mm -hmm. sort of that, that touches me. Um, but yeah, but I, I've been very grateful that it feels like the people like my stuff are sort of very vocal vocal about it i mean thank god for <laughs> one of the few times this is said i can say this but thank god for twitter for that but like <laughs> you know, I, i'm aware of that i i would be curious i mean maybe like letters pages is how in the old days people would know about that kind of response i, I don't know yeah. but uh but yeah no i it, it it does feel like there's some people who it, work means a lot to them and i'm very very grateful yeah mm. i'm i'm curious sort of and maybe this is too much inside baseball or more than you want to yeah. go um I know you you do you do film stuff, TV stuff yeah. on this, uh, you know, like, and that's you, you were doing that earlier, and and yeah. and you've always sort of dabbled in that. But I'm I'm curious because your your comics career specifically, like, you aren't someone like Infidel came out. It felt like it made a really big splash. It felt like people really noticed it, and you didn't just start jumping into bed with every publisher on every right. licensed book and doing all these things. Yeah. And I. And I, at first, when I saw that, I was like, that's interesting. Like, I, I feel like those emails are probably coming. I feel like he's probably getting those <laughs> offers and not taking them. And now when the good agent's coming out and you're not doing it and you're, you are doing, you know, you're doing a DC book, you're doing yep. a, but it's a very specific book and we'll, we'll get into that. But you feel very selective in what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Is that uh a bandwidth thing is that an understanding that the stories you want to tell don't necessarily fit into the larger structure of someone else's license like why why are you very selective? a lot of a lot of it is is bandwidth a part of it is because i have to you know i uh, you know i split my time between sort of tv and comics and and tv pays more of my bills than sort of com than sure. comics does so so i get sort of the bandwidth that i get and um and a lot of times it's okay when can i squeeze work here and where can i squeeze work there and and, and i'm a constant of a thing of just like when my tv career is going well you know there i don't have a book on the stands and then oh i'm yeah. getting a bunch of comics work and now i worried i don't have a tv career anymore so like it's constantly that kind of thing um but so I, so, uh, so a lot of it is sort of bandwidth, but I also, I am very, I know I, I have a very specific comics bandwidth that I can do. And so I also want to make sure that, um, 
I guess I'm getting the most bang from bang for my buck. Mm-hmm. And 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 this this might be too inside baseball, but maybe people in your podcast can kind of uh, appreciate it. Comics are at a really interesting place right now, and I talk about it with the other creators. Where like if you work for Marvel and DC, you're actually taking a pay cut. Yeah. You know, like you know, like you with all the mechanisms a creator owned book has. If you have a good deal, you will make more money yep. doing. And so then it becomes. If I'm not working for the big companies for money, like if why am I? Is it to grow my audience? Is for love of the characters? Is for all these sort of things? And then it it becomes like, a, but but it's also a fascinating thing too, where, and I this is the thing I find so interesting about comics, like comics, so much about comics, the entertainment industry in general, but I see it more in comics. It's like seven blind men telling you what an elephant looks like, uh-huh. and so like everyone, like it constantly fascinates me how much Marvel and C has no idea what creator-owned books sort of look like, you yeah. know? So, mm-hmm. like, if you tell them, guys, I'm kind of making a pay cut writing name Superman, Spider-Man, whatever, yeah. they are legitimately shocked, even though that's been the reality for a very long time now. Like, they for have sure. just no concept of what the ecosystem is outside of the uh, out of their world. And, and, you know, and that's gotten even tougher now because now we don't even share, share sales statistics, right? Yeah, so, yeah. like, everything is sort of sort of cordoned off. So, but, so... As a result, for me, it's just kind of like, I know I only have a limited bandwidth to sort of do comics. What makes sense for me artistically? What makes sense for me commercially? You know, like, how do I get the most out of sort of the the, the opportunities that I have? And also knowing, too, that for me, like, I must, I'm pretty sure I'm a slower comic book writer than most than most people. It takes me a little bit longer. And thank God I have the TV job so that I don't have to take on more comics work and just, like, show everyone how mediocre I really am. So, like, <laughs> but, but. But like it, it, it's so so I have to kind of I ha- I'm kind of bandwidth forces me to be choosy and then I'm kind of choosy on on top of that of just like what is the what are the best shots to take. And that brings us to the end of part one of our discussion with Pornsec Pichet Show. Make sure to check out the Good Asian, Dead Boy Detectives, and everything else Pornsec is working on by giving them a follow on Twitter at real underscore Pornsec. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week for part two of our discussion, and in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com, or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Where is the poison?